Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast, the podcast that champions contemporary artists, curators and galleries. Listen each week to hear me, Anna Woodward, speak to a different person about their experiences, their practice and what they're currently up to within the contemporary arts. Hello and welcome to the Artist Contemporary Podcast and this week I'm joined by Cassandra Bose who is the founder of Bose Paris Gallery and on Instagram is the arts editor. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. So we're just going to talk through some questions you can learn more about what Cassandra does. So maybe to start off talk about how did you get into working in a Mayfair gallery? Yeah, of course. So at the moment, I'm working for a Mayfair gallery called Robolent and Rowena, who I actually joined just before lockdown. So it's been six months, but it's been a weird six months. Um, I got started when I interned at the Pollock Krasner Foundation in New York, which I did whilst I was studying art history at UCL. And to be honest, that's what opened loads of doors for me. And as soon as I was about to graduate, I kind of panicked and googled arts jobs and just applied for a gallery manager position at Thomas Gibson Fine Art. Um, They then (laughs) gave me the job based on the fact that I had interned for the Pollock Krasner Foundation and it all went from there. And then how do you think studying art history at UCL has influenced your career as a curator but also recently having set up a gallery? Um, So to be honest, not at all. UCL really prepare you for life as an academic and their whole course is structured around preparing you to be an art historian. And to be honest, that was never for me. I'm not a hugely academic person. I love reading, I love studying and it taught me all the basics that I need to know. And all the basics of art history inform what I do now but in terms of preparing me for the commercial side of the art world it didn't prepare me at all and that's something that I really really wish that universities would focus on because not everybody wants to be an art historian I never did no I think that's what's really missing within arts education on all levels is that you're not taught about how to work within the arts or the different jobs or all the different things that you can learn which people do know about within these institutions and you sort of have to find out by yourself but even for a practical arts course like a fine art course they don't tell you how to price your work market your work to an extent they tell you how to talk about your work I think yeah I mean at City and Guilds I was really lucky that we have a whole professionals practice module within the course but I think you'll get you are given a lot of skills on how to learn and they're really individual there that they offer that but I think still you have to go out and learn stuff yourself and a lot of it is through word of mouth of speaking to different artists and learning from first second third year to then when you graduate of how to do it or a lot of artists ask me I get a lot of emails asking me how to go about pricing and promoting and just going about the business of selling their art yeah which yeah it's tricky to find out if you haven't been told how to do it 
And then how do you find, obviously you're super busy all the time, <laughs> putting on exhibitions and working. How do you find the balance between maintaining a full-time corporate arts job while also running your own gallery and your own Instagram which is helping to support emerging artists and exhibitions in London? Yeah I mean to an extent they both feed off each other. My full-time job at Robland and Verena gives me the experience and probably contacts that I need to run the Instagram yeah. and Bose Paris and Bose Paris um also gives me the same type of connections and helps me build my audience and connections there so they definitely feed off each other but I don't know if you've seen that pie chart where it's like you can have two out of three things you can have a good career a good social life and a good sleep schedule so you can have two out of three and at the moment the sleep is what's being left behind I mean I've definitely noticed that since graduating (laughs) this whole balance between making art doing the artist contemporary trying to see as many shows as possible and get things with the artist contemporary up and running and meeting different people Mm. whilst also maintaining a social life my other side job there's just I always think you need two more days in the week oh and then and then everything can fit in but I think also I've noticed in the arts, there's no such thing as a weekend. Well, I was about to say... Every day can be a Monday. Well, here's the thing, is that it's not just a nine-to-five job, because on top of being at the gallery nine-to-five and doing the Instagram and doing everything that I need to do for my own gallery, there's also the studio visits and the going to exhibitions. You can't fit that all within a nine-to-five, Monday to Friday. I think it's also the admin side. Oh, admin is my whole life. It's even just taking half a day to reply to emails Mm -hmm. or getting proposals started and great setting dates to get things finished by but it's actually like that's half a day's work minimum to get everything finished when sometimes there just isn't (laughs) half a day within a week to get those things done before having to I mean if you want to do the fun bit and the fun bit is the curating and the going to shows you have to do all the admin that goes behind it you know to put on a show it doesn't just happen you have to actually physically put the work in Mm -hmm. there's the website there's the actual exhibition itself there's the hanging of the works the emails it's it's even like planning studio visits you have to figure out how if you want to make like a productive day of being like I'm going to see studios and shows everyone is all over London and it's planning your day that is efficiently seeing everything and having enough time to see everything especially now having to book an appointment trying to guesstimate when you're going to be there and just hoping that you make your time slot or if you're a bit early or a bit late you can still see the work. I found that really tough with the appointments because it's really hard for me to predict. Um, but actually, every gallery that I've been to have been really lovely yeah. and accommodating and understanding, um, which is really lovely. And also, when people come to me without an appointment, I will also be as yeah. accommodating as possible. I think also it's all new for everyone with all these changes which have happened post-lockdown and the new socially distancing world, which obviously the art world wasn't really maybe prepared for in a sense if you look back at private views and you could go to a gallery and it'd be full all day and that's different to galleries now having to regulate when people come in and stuff um so what future plans do you have for Bose Paris Gallery well the most important thing I would love to have is a full-time space So at the moment, I rent pop-up spaces per exhibition. So we do exhibitions monthly. 
Um, and for each one, I will rent a pop-up space that best represents that exhibition, what works best with the work. I would love to have a full-time space and really doing these pop-up spaces is helping me to learn what kind of full-time space I would yeah. like to get. I think that's important though to try before you buy. Absolutely, <laughs> but also, you learn. know, it's really not the time to be committing to full-time spaces. No, I mean, it's definitely it's not. It's really not the time, but that is on the cards and that is what I'm really looking forward to. Do you think it'd be in London? Yeah, definitely. Do I'm you, a London girl. Do you think you would ever think about putting, with those Paris, putting on exhibitions in different countries or cities yeah new york is definitely on the list i have a lot of history with new york um i've already mentioned my internship at pollock krasner foundation um i my parents have lived there i live there for a bit i go there twice a year for art fairs i feel really connected with new york and i love the art scene there so i will eventually put a show on put a show on and subject new york to cassandra (laughs) cassandra hits new york um what do you think the biggest thing you've learned from running the arts editor as an instagram based account and then moving more recently into having a more formal gallery where you're representing artists i think this is really important it's doing it yourself 100 percent. so i started the instagram when i was working at thomas gibson fine art which was my first gallery job in the commercial art world and to be honest i was bored yeah um there wasn't really enough to keep me entertained which is why I started the Instagram and it's just about putting yourself out there don't wait for the right time yeah I agree I mean that's why I started the Us Contemporary I just just start just start now we both and I think that's something we've bonded over is both just having a desire that no one's a lot of great things come in the art world and you are asked to be involved in lots of things but I think if you can get out there and do stuff yourself you might and then as well. people will find you. Yeah, and I people think, will come to you if you put yourself out there. And but, I think also going back to the art school thing and the art institute and our education, I don't think you're told as much to get out there, go and do your own thing. It's kind of like you'll be asked by curators to be in exhibitions rather than being like, you go put on a show, you go work with people, and it is a chain of events and things do start coming. The more you're involved with them, the more people you meet. Hopefully, it all does start to lead into one another. If you put yourself out there, people will find you, but you have to put yourself out there first for people to find you. And with Beau's Paris, I had always planned to start my own gallery, but I was thinking five, six, seven years time, when I feel comfortable with it, when I'm fully where I want to be, and then lockdown just spurred everything forward a couple of years, and all of a sudden I've started it. And I realized that I didn't need to wait until the time in my life when I felt ready. Realistically, I was never going to feel ready. Yeah. You've just got to go out and do it now and just don't think about it. Yeah, just power on and fingers crossed power it'll be through. fine. No, that's so interesting because I didn't realize that lockdown influenced you starting it. Now I thought it was just mm. a coincidence that you were like, this is now something that you've been planning for months to get it out there and started and yeah, it, it was always just... in the back of my mind and then all of a sudden lockdown just made me do it and then what advice would you have for anyone who's wanting to become a curator kind of the same as the last question in terms of doing it yourself and getting yeah. yourself out there but maybe even more than that 
go out and see shows. 100%. Um, in London, obviously, there is a lot of opportunity. I think also I'd say something is go to the emerging level shows, go meet the yeah. artists, meet the people who yeah, run it, yeah. meet don't, the people who run the spaces. limit yourself to the Gagosians and the Zwerners. And the, you know, they're all great shows, but you've got to, you know, find these smaller galleries. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Putting on shows all across London if you probably the best way to find them is on Instagram definitely 100% through Instagram I think that's the only way that's the only way I find shows to go to yeah I literally I I follow everybody and I scroll through my Instagram feed I save everything that looks good and I make an effort to go because I think as a curator you've got to know what's going on you've got to know what artists are making work what's happening who's doing what and it also apart from you being aware of what's going on it builds up a knowledge base in your brain yeah. and it will make your work better. And I think it'll develop informed. your taste and interest because every curator has a style or taste or work, works that they're drawn to and just meeting lots of different people and having conversations about art and being physically there makes a big difference. I think also as an artist and someone who does curate, when people come to a show and I'm in it or even if I haven't physically been there that day and they mess me on Instagram or repost it it's just been like oh they made the effort to go that's really great and if I then meet them in person it's great because it's like they've made the effort to go to a show so they're obviously interested it's not just liking on Instagram it's actually you're physically involved yeah and committed to seeing I would even say if there's a gallery that you really admire go and see their shows and see what they're doing get to know their program post about it yeah. so they can tell that you have taken an interest i think also if you're put if you're then on get to the point where you're putting on a show invite people let people know it's happening because how else are people people aren't i don't think you're magically going to be discovered you're going to put on this show and then everyone's going to come you yeah. have to put in the work <laughs> i think a lot of people can put on the most incredible shows and nobody turns up and that's not because it's not a good show it's because people don't just magically know they don't just magically show up you've got to get out there invite them drag them through the door I think it's also and that's why it's really one of the reasons I was really interested in creating the podcast was to kind of talk about the things in the art world that maybe aren't so obvious like people may see Cassandra on Instagram with the gallery being like wow like she just goes to exhibitions all the time and she puts on these amazing shows and aren't really aware of maybe all the work that goes behind it and I think that is just as important to talk about and have discussions (laughs) yeah a lot of people didn't realize that I do have a nine-to-five job because I'll just post lovely stories and images of me gallery hopping you know Monday 11 a.m yeah and they're like what does Cassandra do and it's like no she does she does work (laughs) Any work from a contemporary artist, who would it be and why? Um, Obviously, so many people I could choose from here. But the first person who comes to mind is actually Lynette Yadon Boacci. Um, So I saw her work at the Corby Mora show. I think that was 2017. That seems so long ago now. I know, and I really vividly remember it. Um, And she's actually got... I think a retrospective or at least a body of work at the Tate coming up. Oh, wow. Ideally this year. It definitely was going to be this year. Well, let's hope this year that it comes through and happens. 
yeah ruined that um because I was really looking forward to that but to be honest I, I'm a big fan of portraiture in general but I think that Lynette paints such intimate subjects they're actually all fictional but you wouldn't know that looking at the portraits they're incredibly intimate and it's really like gazing through a window and like you've just caught someone in the moment um they're very timeless. that's amazing that they're Ooh. fictional yeah Did and you know that, that? Then I didn't know that no. you wouldn't think that at all you would not think that looking at them and um, I think you obviously cannot ignore the fact that Lynette is painting black subjects which has historically been something that's been completely ignored or there have been black subjects but not painted in a way that is very contemporary or she, she's very much normalised it for me yeah. And I think that there needs to be more of that. And I love Definitely. that representation of black subjects in contemporary painting. And I think especially now, if she has, is having that retrospective of the Tate, it's important... It's a good that, time for it. It's it? important that it happens in the sense of... There has obviously been disappointment recently about certain shows being cancelled because mm-hmm. of COVID. And it's actually important for the institutions to really come through now mm-hmm. and exhibit these artists work because it's Make way overdue and it needs to start happening Plus, i want that more than i want want a andy warhol retrospective 100 <laughs> percent. i think i mean maybe let's not get too much into <laughs> ideas about certain institutions but i think i mean my opinions definitely i way prefer going to the commercial gallery spaces in mayfair and east and south london and the artist project space and smaller galleries because you see fresh art and exciting art whereas I personally haven't been to the Andy Warhol exhibition at Tate and I'm not going to go because I feel maybe this is my opinion and maybe it's bad but I've seen a lot of his work and I want to see new stuff yeah I want to be visually excited by yeah. what I see and it's not putting him down as a bad artist or creator it's just I think we live in a time where there are so many amazing artists out there but that's who the are also having shows and I, go and support living artists as I've well. I've already talked about the fact that I have very limited time. And if I have very limited time, I'm going to pick and choose quite carefully what shows I make that time for. Yeah. And I'm not going to be making the time for Andy Warhol. No. Love you, Andy. But, but yeah. <laughs> I think moves on quite well. So what exhibition at the moment would you say is your must-see within London? <sighs> see, I see so many and it's... They're all so incredible. There's I still lo- find it so amazing right that now. you see so many shows. I love it. I absolutely love going to shows. It's my favourite thing to do. Um, but there is a Lee Simmons show on at the moment at Kristen Yelieder in their I, um, London Bridge space. I'm in love with that show. It's I went insanely good the other week, and it was beautiful. It was when it was still sunny, and it just got really cold. I caught and it when it was sunny. It as was well. early afternoon, and the sunlight was just coming through the space. And if you haven't been to the space, you need to go because it's me and Anna are both in full agreement on this best space in London. Honestly, every time I go, I just walk in. I'm like, I am in love. Incredible it's, space, and it's so different. It's very different. It's not your typical white cube space, which is yeah. big tick in my book because I'm I'm over the white cube aesthetic. Um, and it's an incredible space, such good light, a lot of space. Um, but the thing about Kristen is she puts on very good shows and she's always very sensitive to the work that she's showing. Yeah. So with Lee Simmons, they are these quite theatrical, almost surreal works that 
are a balance between figurative and abstract. They've got figures in them, but he works in a way where he abstracts them quite a lot and they're very worked pieces and they're very colorful. So Kristen, what Kristen has done is she has framed some in some very bright, vibrant colored frames, painted the walls red and pink, which is my favorite color combo. It looks so good. So what she's done is she has taken the painting, she's reacted to it and almost extended the painting past the picture plane into the gallery. 100%. And that is why, besides the fact that Lee Simmons is an incredible artist, I think the way that his work has been presented is really special. I think also with those works is you're taken into this gallery space, which is so different to so many other spaces in London. And then there are these amazing paintings. And I think what I got from them is they're like, you're looking into worlds where the figures within the paintings exist. And, but it's that whole thing of them being fictional, figurative, abstract. And I think the colors, it kind of takes you to that stage where it's very otherworldly and you're looking in. And then the way that the color has been put onto the wall just expands that and kind of allows the paintings to lead into each other. Kind of invites you into his strange, weird world, doesn't it? Definitely. It gives you a little bit of a glimpse into that. No, I think that's really... It's a really good show. So if you... Wait, I can't speak. (laughs) How did you find creating exhibition in lockdown? And how did it differ from your post-lockdown exhibitions that you've been exhibiting? Well, this is actually how Bose Paris began. Because my very first exhibition in lockdown, it was um, online for obvious reasons. Yeah, that was antifreeze. That was antifreeze and that was peak COVID time. Um, Antifreeze was actually a name that I've been sitting on for years I was desperate to do a show that really stuck it to the art world yeah. because there are a lot of aspects about the art world that I don't like. I don't like the lack of accessibility. I don't like the lack of diversity. And I don't like the lack of transparency. And all three things really... I'm really quite keen that we all work together to change it. But Andy Freeze was a bit of a statement yeah. So it was online. It was an open call because obviously a lot of artists had had shows cancelled and I wanted to give them that platform using the arts editor to get their work out there. I intended on showing about 10 artists. It ended up being about 25. It was such a good list of artists. <laughs> there were so many artists, I just couldn't help myself. Every time I got more submissions, I just thought, well, we'll add that person in two and we'll add that person in two. Because I think that also during <laughs> lockdown when things were virtually virtual, it was more, it was definitely excite- an exhibition which was so visually strong to go online and see. And I think it was also one of the first ones where you went into that gallery space. Oh yeah, I made a virtual gallery online. space. And I also love that Christy Chan edited herself into the space. <gasps> like was she was great. at a private view. That was great. And I discovered Christy kind of through that exhibition and a lot of other artists I discovered through that exhibition and that's kind of where I got the bug because that exhibition went really well and I got just quite addicted to um to discovering artists and putting them out there and curating exhibitions so anyway obviously the main difference now is now I get to go and visit the artists and see their work before I put on the show and that's been the biggest difference for me because now 
before I put on a show, the first thing I'll do is I'll do a studio visit. Yeah. I'll go to their studio, have a chat with them, go through their work. We'll pick which pieces we want to be in the show. And that might even mean that I'll be in their studio and there'll be a piece discarded like on the floor or on their table. And I'll ask if that's available. And they'll be like, oh yeah, that piece. Like, Because when you're saying for your recent show Wet Paint, Bella, one of Bella's works. It she was wasn't sure. Fleur's. Oh no, Bella's as well. Yeah. I did with both of them. Yeah, because um, Fleur had a gorgeous little tile piece that I picked up and insisted we include. And Bella, Bella was midway through a painting, and I, it was t- turned to face the wall, and I turned it around, and I just said, you know, I know this isn't finished, but we need. This. Could you finish it, please? And then the first time I saw it finished was when she brought it to the show to hang. That's so good. And it was... Luckily you were still loved it. <laughs> so luckily I still loved it. It was well worth it. I was so happy. So a lot of happy accidents can happen when you actually yeah. visit it. I think also studio. being able to meet in person and having those conversations... Makes a huge difference. And yeah, but obviously one of the biggest differences that with Antifreeze you did an open call and mm-hmm. the other exhibitions you haven't, mm-hmm. do you think in the future you would do an exhibition with an open call? Yeah, I am actually planning on doing at least one open call per year. That's good, yeah. Um, The reason why I don't do it now is besides the fact that I've got a list as long as my arm of artists who I want to work with. um, I found the open call quite overwhelming, which is... It's it's, a lot of time. Well, it's more than that. I've spoken to other people about that. It's that there's a reason why I ended up including more than double the artists that I wanted. Yeah. And it's because I kept on getting submissions and I just couldn't turn them away. Because yeah. I liked them too much. So I find it easier to manage if I can approach them. But I do think that open calls are important because I discovered a lot of people through that. Yeah, no, they are good. And they're definitely so good for discovering people. Mm-hmm. I even find Ask Contemporary haven't done any open calls yet. But even just going through people where they've like requested to send a message and just mm-hmm. going like once a week, I try and go through those mm-hmm. and you find so many people. And by the way, if people email me or drop me a message, I always look at their work. Yeah. Always. No, I will that's always give them that time of day to at least look. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. To take the time. So if you could create your ideal art exhibition at the moment with absolutely no limits who would you have in it and where would you want it to be? I, I've always wanted to do an exhibition that is fully immersive. Yeah. Fully. I mean, like, painting on the floors, painting on the walls, including sound. I don't know, it's something really incredibly immersive where people walk into it and feel like they're inside of an artwork. Yeah. And I suppose really all I need is a space that will let me wreck their floors and walls. This is probably why I need a space of my own because yeah, if it's I my feel own like that space, will happen. I can wreck my own floors and walls. So maybe that's when it will happen. Yeah. Um, but I've I've always been obsessed with that idea. I I've always that's probably why I like the Kristen Yellowedge show because I like the fact that the work comes out of the canvas. It's more than just mm. four corners. Yeah. I like a work that comes out and you can really interact with it in more than just one dimension. Which I think you get when you go to these more architecturally different spaces. And obviously, I think everyone who's running a space, like, so much respect to them because it is so much work. And obviously, 
all space have different budgets of what they can do and afford to do and how much they can alter the space and even some of the white box style spaces they do do really immersive things but I think it's also really fun to work with a space that is different and how you can pull the artist's work and the space together and making people look at work in a different way beyond a formal stand back, look at it, can't touch it, can't get too close. I really, I really hate that idea of stand back, don't get too close, don't look, don't touch, whisper. Um, yeah. I'm really about creating a space where people feel very relaxed and chilled and you can have conversations and you can hang around, you, you can have a chat, have a drink. I mean, even someone like me who has worked in the art world for more than five years, I work in the Mayfair world, even I, if I walk into Gagosian and the girl at the front desk looks at me a bit funny, I can get a little bit... They're intimidating. It is intimidating. It's intimidating. And I don't know why, but it seems to be that they have created an environment that does make people feel intim- intimidated. Mm-hmm. But if I feel like that, imagine how somebody feels if they don't work in the art world. I think it's also the feeling of being un- of places not being welcoming. And I think sometimes in on the artist level... I find everyone so welcoming yes. and friendly. And then yeah. there's just this big gap. Between, and not all spaces are like it and not all commercial galleries are like it. But some, you walk in and you don't feel welcome and you kind of feel rushed that you have to see it quickly because you're disturbing their day. Mm-hmm. Even though they're mm-hmm. open of you coming in and you seeing the work. Yeah. And actually, that was really my philosophy from the beginning of Beaux Paris was to make sure that people would never feel like that. Yeah. But I think that it comes not just from the environment that you create, but also the artists you include. Mm. So if we go back to diversity, I think you have to realise that if you are going to have this big space in Mayfair and you are only going to show white male artists, then the only people who are going to feel comfortable in that space are white males. Yeah. Whereas if you show diverse artists mm. across race, gender class then that is more inclusive already in terms of people coming to your space yeah definitely i think it'd be really interesting when you do have a physical space which is solely yours to use because you've obviously got the mayfair experience of being in that gallery world but you've also you work so much with emerging artists and you see so many different spaces so i think whenever you do get it it's going to be definitely incredibly interesting so from your own private collection, what piece to you do you have the biggest connection to? <laughs> it's like picking one of my babies, like my favorite baby. Um, I would just say, and I bought a lot of things in lockdown, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, lockdown I feel like so many people did. shopping spree for me. One of the things I bought in lockdown was a Sophie Valance Cantor painting. Mm. Um, found her Instagram her work is amazing her work is amazing and I ended up just scrolling through her website and she had one on there called Douglas Smoking and it's a portrait of her husband Douglas Cantor who's also an artist I didn't realise that yeah 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 he's also really really good artist love his work but I bought it just off seeing her website and it was obviously quite a lot of money to hand over just off seeing it as a picture online but it arrived and I unwrapped it and I just it was just one of those really great love at first sight yeah and it's just this really cool portrait of him 
and he's smoking and he's got eyes in his forehead it's that's a, so cool yeah it's a great kind of surrealist we'll definitely portrait. put it on the artist contemporary so people can see oh yeah please do what this painting is piece. we've already shared some of sophie's work but i'd love to see that painting it sounds amazing i think you'd love it it's a great painting i'm in love and what obviously you've been collecting for a while but what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start their own collection yeah i mean you've got to learn what you like so i think if you're starting out it's probably safer to start with works on paper yeah don't just drop a couple of grand on a big canvas before you know what your taste is you might think you know what your taste is but it changes i think we promise you it changes we've both spoken about it in the sense of we both get very obsessive artist work very quickly very quickly (laughs) and we're not saying that we then don't we lose love for their work but i think it changes and evolves and your taste changes Mm -hmm. and it depends what you're interested in and yeah stuff over time yeah i think you've got to don't rush into something buy works on paper you can get works on paper relatively cheap say relatively um it depends on the artist but it's it's a more affordable way i think that's a better way of putting it of collecting your favorite artists but starting slow and it's a really good way of supporting artists as well great way of supporting artists and then you can build up your taste go to more shows do your research realize what you like before dropping lots of money on one big piece yeah that's what i'd say but collecting is fun i mean it's just fun don't buy anything because you think it's an investment or whatever yeah buy because you love (laughs) you're the one living with it yeah (laughs) i mean you're gonna have to see it every day you're seeing it every day and i well i hope you're seeing it every day yeah put it on your walls and you look at it every day but the most, and everyone will tell you this, it is the most important thing. Buy what you love. Even if everyone else hates it, buy it. Yeah, and if you can, buy from living artists. If you can, buy from living artists. If you can, buy from diverse artists. Yeah. Like, I would actually say, this is quite controversial because a lot of people have argued with me on this. I think <laughs> let's you bring should it up. <laughs> go out, let's argue. I think you should go out and purposely buy more women and non-white artists to address the balance or the yeah. imbalance i think that if you go out and you specifically try and buy works not i mean you can buy some white male artists but make sure that you make a big effort to buy diverse artists i think it's also it's understanding a couple of weeks ago quite a few people were sharing it i think it was like a meme thing of when you're buying a work from an artist you're not just buying that one piece you're maybe you're helping them pay their studio for the next month or buy materials for the next series of work and you're also you're buying into something that they've been doing so yeah it may just be a work on paper 150 pounds or something of that price but you are supporting them and it's so important it's a domino effect 100 percent. and like the more you support living emerging artists the more work they can make and the more they can develop their practice in an industry which I think I've noticed from graduating, from kind of being in this art school bubble where, yeah, it is reality, but in some ways it's not. You're not balancing work, making art, doing other things. And sometimes lonely. I think especially now with no private views, you haven't got... I was talking to a friend about it the other day and we were saying, pre-COVID, you could go to a private view probably four nights a week and see different people and meet different people, whereas now you can't really. And... It's so important to support these people who are making amazing work. 
It is really important. Um, if you want the art world to continue being an art world and an art world you want it to be, yeah. put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> well said. So I think to finish off, what artists would you recommend right now for people to follow? Which I know for you is an impossible question. I'm, I'm going to narrow it down. I, I would, I mean, this is so tough. So I would actually say if you want a full list of artists who I think you should follow, the arts editor, my Instagram, is the best place to go to because there's a lot on there and I share a lot. But just to name a couple, um, Nell Brookfield. Amazing. Love her. Daisy Paris. Of course. Obviously. Um, Charlotte Olulode, who was in... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, she was in my first show in response. She's incredible. Um, Michaela Ewardan. Yeah. Um, she's got her ceramic work and her paintings, and she's just incredible. That's so amazing. Oh, and who... She's just had one of her works on the cover of a really big magazine. Did you see that going around Instagram? Yes. That was incredible. And That's bad that we can't remember and we're yeah, really sorry. I cannot remember. Her work's amazing. We were actually just talking about I it remember before. the cover very vividly. Yeah. We were talking about it before we started this podcast and we were just saying, so amazing the way she transfers the paintings onto ceramics. Yeah. And the way her work and practice, it works perfectly in both aspects. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I have to mention is James Owens because love him. That's amazing. Him, love him. He, I've worked with him a couple of times. I look forward to working with him a lot in the future. Yeah, really Definitely. good stuff. So um, that's just a fraction of the people I could talk about. Yeah, there's, there's definitely... There's a lot of people out there. There's so many. There's a and lot of people out there. Look through people's stories as well mm-hmm. and... It's, yeah, just definitely follow those people. That all their work, but is that's so amazing. actually you know going back to buying artwork to support the art world. If you can't afford to buy artwork, just follow these people. Yeah, follow them, support what they do in that way because that that will go a long way. Also, you never know when someone's going to have a studio clear out, and there may just be a couple oh, of work yeah. sneaking through. And you may be able to get one. I love a studio clear out. They're so good. <laughs> I've just bought one from someone's studio clear out um, yesterday. <laughs> Amazing. But thank you so much. And thank Cassandra you so for much for having me. And remember to follow Cassandra's accounts. And I will tag them so you know where to find her to keep up to date with all the amazing exhibitions at she is seeing. But also all the amazing artists she's curating and exhibitions she's putting on which are happening each month? Every month. Until, well, you've got, <laughs> you've got a lot planned at the moment, which is amazing. Yeah, I have things planned every single month until ne- like way into next year. That's so and good. And I intend to keep it going. Let's way. just hope there's not another lockdown. Pray. Pray for no more lockdowns. It'll be fine. We'll make it happen. Yeah. But yeah, and definitely go and see all Cassandra's shows. Thank you. Yeah, definitely do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Artist Contemporary podcast. Remember to check out the Artist Contemporary Instagram and to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all the episodes, artists and exhibitions that are posted on the platform.